Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again, as we continue on the study we're doing through the New Testament, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 together today. Um, as you know, we've been working through a chapter at a time pretty much throughout the New Testament. We're almost three years into the study now, and uh, uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. Uh, we did 1 Corinthians we did uh, both the Thessalonians already, and now we're doing the book of Galatians. The, uh, we're trying to cover these books in the order that we think the Apostle Paul wrote them. Um, because we finished Acts before then, and we talked about the missionary journeys, and hopefully you had a feel and a sense for what Paul was up to, and, and, and now you can see him writing back to these churches that he started. Remember, all these, all these letters initially are being written to brand new churches that are going through situations because um, the church is a brand new entity they don't have anything to compare it to they have a lot of questions there's a lot of stuff that they're not exactly sure what to do they're doing the best they can led by the spirit but there's some just some things that come up that they they're looking to Paul for advice for and they send him letters they send groups of people to go and ask him some of these questions um, and that's kind of the flow for what's happening and so we get to look back now on that and many of these things shockingly still apply to the church today 2,000 years later um, it seems like many of the same issues are happening, and so we can, we can get insight from them, great insight um, by the Spirit, as the Spirit led Paul in his writing of these letters, uh, and yet at the same time, holding them in context is important as to why they were written, to what questions they were being written, and what that looks like. So all that stuff has to be balanced in to the study of Scripture, so that you don't um, just sort of pick and choose and take things out of context, which can happen. Um, and, and we need to be careful. And all of us kind of have a tendency to do some of that. Um, we have our own little pet ideas about things, and we'll, we'll, we, you almost can't help yourself to go in and grab a little piece here and a little chunk over there and mix it with this little bit over here. And, and you just have to be very careful that you're not coming up with some, something that's totally not being said or, or, or written by the Spirit. So we're in Galatians 5 now. And the, the whole book has been about uh, an attack on the church in Galatia from a group of people known as the Judaizers. And these were Jewish believers who had taken, taken it on themselves to go to the Gentile church and to tell the, the newly converted Gentiles into Christianity that they also had to get themselves under the law. They really couldn't be Christians without getting under the law. And so they were called the circumcision group. They, they, they were insisting that the people be circumcised. But more than that, more than circumcision, it was that they, they put themselves under the entire law. And Paul has been objecting from the beginning. Uh, he's gone to the church in Jerusalem as well to make sure that uh, this isn't the stand on the church, and it's not. These guys didn't have authority to go when they left, um, that, that the Holy Spirit is an evidence of the fact that the Lord is moving in the churches um, just on their, their um, coming to Christ in faith, and it's not about the law. And in fact, Paul has said that uh, over and over again, if you put yourselves under the law, then really... Jesus isn't going to help you at all, and that the problem with the law has always been that even if you break one part of the law, you're under the curse of the whole thing, and everybody breaks the law. We're all lawbreakers. We're, we've all sinned. There's no, no one lived up to the law. No one lives up to the law today. No one. And so, uh, so that's what's coming up. That's going to be my main point this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so pray for me. 
Because I plan on telling everybody they're criminals. <laughs> All weekend long, and I'm looking forward to the response. <laughs> so, here, here we have Paul making his defense. Now, he's been doing this chapter after chapter, and, and we come into Galatians chapter 5, which is this cool chapter, and it starts out, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And, and scripture there is not talking about a kind of freedom that allows us to indulge our sinful nature, but, but what we're encouraged to do by the Spirit is to serve one another. And that's the big difference. And, and that's what we've been talking about. The, the law throughout its long history never succeeded in producing righteousness. It just never happened. It never created a group of loving people. It never came from following the law, ever. It never worked. And, and it really was never its intention. The law was put in place as a, as a stopgap measure because of the hardness of man's heart until Jesus came. That's why the law was there. Otherwise, it was going to go, the, the, the people would just, there had to be something holding them in check to some degree, and that was what the law did. But once Jesus came, then, then the law was no longer necessary. That doesn't mean, though, and this is, this is why people struggle with grace today and, and the whole idea of being led by the Spirit is that their fear is that people, when given the opportunity, that says that cuts out that, that the law and says, no, you need to be led by the Spirit, that they're going to go and do whatever they want to do. Well, that's not being led by the Spirit. That's what Paul's going to say in chapter 5. That's not the freedom that we're given in Christ. Um, the freedom that we're given in Christ is to, is, to, is to follow Jesus being led by the Spirit and no longer to try and satisfy everything that our sinful nature wants, but to allow the Spirit of God to work in us to develop the fruit of the Spirit. And so the Christian then is no longer under the law because he can now, she can now live by the Spirit. And that's an entirely new principle that's come in with Christ and is being introduced in a new church. And, and that's what you need to have and, and hang on to. Because we still do that. We have a tendency. I've been talking about that. The established religion of the day has a tendency to try and get what they want by legislating it. And it doesn't work. Because it doesn't, it doesn't produce people that love like Jesus loved. It produces mean people. And once you get a group of mean people, you, don't, you can't get anybody to God anymore. But that's what you get when you try and get everybody to do a certain set of things, is that they get mean. And, and so it defeats the purpose. So, so that's not being led by the Spirit. And again, grace, though, doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. That's not, that's not being led by the Spirit either. So, so that's what the discussion is. All right, so we're going to look in Galatians 5, 26 verses. Let me read them to you, and then we'll talk about them together for a few minutes today. Galatians 5. Verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I don't usually stop in the middle of the reading. That's a verse you should know. 
The only thing that counts, it's one of those big statements scripturally, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's a huge statement Paul's making. That's what counts. It's not following the law. It's not how good you look on the outside. It's not all those things. The only thing that counts, Paul says, is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race, verse 7. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's another really harsh statement that Paul makes. He's not happy with these guys at all. <laughs> so you, you don't even, you just, you got to get that Paul is really unhappy with the situation. And, he, and he's, you know, he's not happy with these guys at all because they're trying to destroy the church. Okay. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's quite a list. Isn't it? It's quite a list. But here's the thing. Now what the church would want to do, the established religious community would want to do and say, okay, well that's the acts of the sinful nature, so we better set up some law so that people don't do that. So we're going to have laws, boom, 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 that people are going to follow. And then the problem is, Paul's saying, look, the sinful nature wants to do those things, but you need to be led by the Spirit and not do them. That's what you need to know. It's the Spirit of God who's going to help you not to do those things that your sinful nature wants to do. How does he help? He empowers you to make better choices and to make better decisions. And you know. And then... See, the problem is sometimes you, you will lose out and your selfish nature will pop up, cause you to do things that you shouldn't do. And the Spirit of God will convict you of those things because he loves you. And it's at that point you spin and you go back to God and ask for forgiveness and get that straightened out with God. And that's the process that you work through. And then people say, well, I just do what I want and then go ask forgiveness. And Paul says, no, well, you're missing the point again about grace and forgiveness. That's not the point. You want to start trying to get in step with the Spirit. Watch, he's actually going to say that. But the fruit of the Spirit, well, and then he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who just abandon any leading of the Spirit and go and do what they want. That's not how it works. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of the living God who lives in you is being allowed to work in you and develop in you, this is what takes place. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, let's chat about that for a few minutes again. And um, sort of take it back to the root of the problem. When Adam and Eve sinned back in the garden, they died spiritually. That was a spiritual death. Galatia, Genesis 2.17 Um, the admonition was this you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die die now we know for a fact they ate from that tree and that they didn't die what was he talking about there they died spiritually they were disconnected from God in the way that they had been at that moment. They, they lost the amazing connection to God that they had where there was no mess in their lives, there was no shame, everything was good, everything was the way it was intended to be. Um, life was happening, fellowship with God, direct communication, awesome garden, everything good, good, good. Remember, God only had one no in that whole thing. Can you, the whole deal, everything was good, hang out, do what you want to do, it's all for you, hang out with me, hang out with one another, love each other, it's all good, just don't eat from that one, one no, there's just one, and this whole deal, there's one no, people think God is mean, one no, what happens, just like little kids, when you tell them no, they got to go do it anyway, and over time, Adam and Eve did it, we don't know how long they were in the garden until they did it. People ask that all the time. You read the story and you think they were in the garden, they ate the fruit. I don't think so. They were there for a while because I think that accounts for population outside the garden when eventually they get tossed and the kids go and all those people, where the people come from. It doesn't mean that they could have lived without eating the tree for a long time. And they would have been amazingly fruitful and healthy and populated most of the world. I mean, imagine completely healthy people would populate the world amazingly quickly, all right? And so anyway, so we don't know when it happened, but we know that it happened. And when they ate of that tree, they died spiritually. And that condition has been passed on ever since to all of us. We've all inherited that condition of being spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You were, you were born into it. From the time of Adam and Eve, you were born spiritually dead, disconnected. That's, that's just the way it works. That's what happened as a result of sin. But in Christ, we're made alive. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. So now here we we see things changing. In Christ, we're made alive again. In Christ, we become spiritually alive. You're spiritually born in Christ. That's where that term comes from, that people are, you know, what does that mean? But be born again, all those things. It means you were spiritually dead, and now you can be alive in Christ, spiritually alive. 
And this life in Christ is made possible by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The law couldn't do it. If the law could do it, people could boast about it. If anybody could have been saved and made righteous by the law, they could say, look what I did, I did it, I did it, I did it. Which is part of the problem with people that follow the law now is they think they're something. When in fact they're not. You can't do it. It doesn't get you there. It doesn't work. So we're to live this life in Christ by the Spirit. This is the, the, the major point of chapter 5. This life is to be lived by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. When you see, and people look at that, and this is where the struggle comes. Because we all know that we still break weak from time to time, and we go, well, I don't understand. Okay, but you're a work in progress. No one has arrived yet. And, and my understanding of the scripture is no one arrives until Jesus comes back, and then we all arrive then. Uh, along this, this journey with Christ, we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, which means we're being changed by him, but it's a change that takes time. It doesn't happen all at once. It would be very convenient if it did. It would be very nice if once you got saved, you stopped having, wouldn't it be just really handy if once you gave your life to Christ, then you were done, with, you never ever again wanted to do something you shouldn't, it just went, whoop, gone, oh man. That would be, but it's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. It's a process. Uh, we walk out here. This whole time that we're here, we're learning to trust God. We're learning how to yield to the Spirit. We're learning how to develop the fruit in our lives. We're yearning, learning how to be used by God. We're learning how to not give in to the things that we give into. It's part of the process that he's, he's teaching us about him along the way. And so the Holy Spirit now lives in us and leads us and guides us into real life and we're to yield to him. No one has arrived yet though, so we mess up. When you do, you run back to God, ask for forgiveness and he empowers you to go and do the next right thing. We've had this discussion and we will continue to have it. It comes, that's how you get it, by doing the next right thing as the Spirit leads you. You will mess up. I'm not giving you permission to mess up, I'm just telling you, you will mess up. And when you do, you need to run back to God and ask for forgiveness. And then he empowers you to go do the next right thing. And hopefully you make it a little further and longer. And over time, you ought to be able to look at your life and see that the things that have beset you in the past are different than they are now. That you've made some growth. That there were things that stumbled you years ago that don't stumble you any longer because you've made progress. And now you've got a whole new set of things that you're working on. That's been my experience. God's always finding something to work on in me, but it's not the same things that he was working on, you know, when I first came in. Um, well, some of them probably are, but <laughs> there's been some progress. But, you know, I still have struggles. I mean, you, uh, uh, I, and certainly I can't, I, I wouldn't, nobody knows everybody's mess, but, you know, I get very selfish sometimes, and it comes out, pops out in sarcasm. Uh, that happens, you know, there's lots of stuff that happens like that that I know isn't pretty. I reflect on it and go, oh, man, that's, that's so about me at that point that it's not nice. And I'm sure of my family sometimes, and I'm, I get, I'm, nobody else says it's all, what about me? You never say that, right, in your own life? Well, what about me? What, what about me? One of the statements that gets people in the most trouble, well, God wants me to be happy. Boy, that justifies so much sin, but it doesn't. And he does want you to be happy, but not in the ways you think. Um, it's a bigger deal. Be very careful if you use that one to do something that the Spirit of God is all over you not to do. 
um, be very careful. All right. So we yield to the Spirit. Understanding that we're no longer under the law doesn't mean we can go and do whatever we feel like doing to satisfy our old sin nature. The freedom we have is not a freedom to go and do whatever we feel like. The cravings of the sinful nature are obvious. I read you the list. I'll read it again. Galatians 5, 19-21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So, I like and the like. He probably just ran out of things to say and said, and anything like that. You get it by now. Anything that you, and, you, and it's obvious. You know your sin nature's at work. You know it. You, you totally know it when, when your sin nature's engaged. You get it. And you either choose to go along with it or not. But, but it's not the way that we live in the kingdom. That's what he said. You can't, it's not, it's not kingdom life. It's not real life. You're, you're, you're heading towards something far less that's not good for you. It's, these things are off limits. But, but the spirit of God is telling you that he's, and he's working in you and he's convicting you. He's making that very real and you know it and you're choosing to continue to do it against his direction. And so we miss out then on life. And so we learn over time, hopefully, well, he's saying I shouldn't do it. I probably shouldn't do it. And, and let me see what happens when I start not doing it. Not because it's a law, but just not good for me. It's not the way that the kingdom was set up. It's not real life. It's not kingdom life. It's not what God has called us to. It's not what he's created me for. Who knows better about life than the one who created it for you? And remember, he's good, always good, only good. He's, the things that God tells you, all those things on that list are not good for you. The culture glamorizes a lot of that stuff, but none of them are good for you. None of them. None of them are good for your soul. It's not from a place that cares about you and wants you to have the best life. It, you know, I, I tell you, you've got to read the scripture, you know, in, in several ways that try and connect with you, not as a book of rules and don'ts, but um, as, a, as a book, uh, like a love letter of a, of a father who loves you so much that he only wants the best for you and he knows better than you do, he really does. Or for, for people that don't connect with that because they don't have good uh, father image, um, like, a, like the best doctor in the universe who's laying out a prescription you for a really good life. And, and there's things in the prescription that you would, you, would, you know, you, you, you don't want to be told not to eat cheesecake. <laughs> I have cheesecake on the brain. <laughs> or you don't want to be restricted in your cheesecake. You know, you don't want to be told you can have a little slice of cheesecake when you want a half a cheesecake. And who are you to tell me how to live? Well, I'm, he's just a doctor who wants you to live better. Right? And he's saying, look, you, you can live better with, than you can with all that you want. You can live better if you, if you do these things. You'll have a better life. The quality of life is better. And that's spiritually, it works that way too. You, you have a better spiritual life, a better connection with God, a better, which translates into your real life. You have better relationships with God and with others. You won't be so focused. You learn how to love well, which is where life is found. All those things happen as we move in through this process. But it's not... It doesn't happen if we start pointing you out and say, well, stop this and stop that and stop this and stop that and this is the rule and you know the rules. Why aren't you following the rules? Because the rules make you mean. Because if you follow them and then you, you think everybody else should follow them and you're breaking them anyway, it's a big mess. That's why it doesn't work. So you just listen to the Spirit of God. And when he says don't do it, you learn that you shouldn't and you stop. But he empowers you to stop. He didn't just tell you not to do something and then not. See, that's the cool thing. See, I don't, life by the Spirit, you need to know that the Holy Spirit, God, 
spirit lives in all who believes. He's with you through this thing. He's right there. He's not just saying, go out and man up and, and do your willpower and get better. He doesn't do it like that. He's saying, I'm with you. I'll help you. Just now stick to me, and I'll walk you through it. Every step, I'll, I'll be right there with you. You can trust me. I got you. And if you come with me, life's going to be better. I promise. And we move in that direction. So, so we're free to experience the full life of Christ as we're led by the Spirit. Yielding to him will produce spiritual fruit in our lives that could never happen by following the law. What's the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. There's no reason for any of those things to be um, mediated by the law. Because those are all the things that God would have you walk in. There's, there's no reason to legislate any of those things. And, and it's a picture. Uh, you know, the, oftentimes people equate this verse with the 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. You, you love like that, it's filled with these things in life. And this should be the evidence of the life of a believer. Not a bunch of mean people who are out following rules, but people that are being led by the Spirit, not perfect, still working through it, running back to God, getting forgiveness, but over time, working on issues as we yield to the Spirit and as He empowers us to grow in Him, who out of that relationship and out of that understanding with God start to love well. They start to care about other people. They start to experience His joy in their lives. Not that fake happy stuff, but a, a genuine settledness in who He is. Even though other people are out doing stuff, there's a settledness they don't experience, a peace that passes understanding. Nothing better than the peace of God. You can't find it outside of His presence. It's not there. It doesn't exist. And people hunt for it forever. And do all sorts of things. And, and they settle in the culture where they're trying to escape instead of ever knowing real peace. That, that in his peace, in his presence, circumstances can be completely insane and you can still know peace. Patience. Kindness. See, this is the evidence of a, of a life that's being led by the Spirit. And that's what we're called to live. Christian freedom is a release from our old and warped sin nature into a life that gives the Spirit full reign to produce his fruit in us. This life in Christ by the Spirit empowers and frees us to act in love, to know and share joy, to experience his peace and all of the blessings of the fruit of the Holy Spirit of our lives. That's what Galatians 5 is all about. It's that understanding. It's that moving. It's not beating yourself up. It's not saying, okay, these are the, these are the, oh, these are the new rules. He read them to me. It's that the Spirit of God, you already know them. They don't need to be. You, you know what's okay and what's not. And now you start yielding to the Spirit and trusting Him in your life and allowing Him to, to move those things into your life as you can. And, and you get the cool thing about the Spirit of God is He'll keep working on you. He just keeps going. And, and some of us are stubborn, but not any of you. Just me. And it's okay. God loves me. The grace comes in. And, and he keeps working on me. And that's how this thing works. That's where life is found, real life, the kingdom of God life that we all want to experience, that fruit happening in our lives. So just listen to the Spirit. Yield yourself to the Spirit of God. That's where you find life. And that's Galatians 5. And we'll, uh, we'll finish up there. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you so much for uh, choosing to spend your valuable time with us. We are so grateful. If there's anything that we can do for you, just check us out on the website. You can send us an email, do whatever, and we'll see what we can do. Okay? But we're going to close tonight here um, in prayer. So thanks for watching.
That was interesting. You can shut off the video, please. All right, uh, pass up your prayer request to me, and I will pray for and with you.